0: What's up everybody? Welcome into the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast, hosted by your favorite two pastors in the world, Kyle and Derek, from what is about, I don't know, maybe 2 months away from being the frozen tundra. Is that at sound least. about right? Well,
1: I shouldn't say at least. <laughs> There's a solid
0: <laughs> chance we have snow in a month. I was just talking with some of our our staff about like, "Hey, when when do we want like well, we were talking about our favorite seasons. Okay. Uh, and fall is my favorite season. Love fall. Love everything that comes with it. Uh, but we were trying to figure out when we want snow. And I think I landed on, like, Never. give give me snow the day after Thanksgiving. Okay. And you hit the middle of January and I'm over it.
1: Yeah. Does that sound about right? <laughs> For me personally, give me it uh, the week before Christmas and then after New Year's Day, you can take it away. <laughs> like I, I, Derek's got an eight-day span. I literally, like, I just, and I know I'm realizing this because I picked my fate. Like, I decided to stay here and live here, but I really just dislike winter. Like yeah. I, I, just, I really dislike it. I mean, I, I love the spring here. I love the fall here. I love the summer here. But that winter is just not ideal, and it, it I feel like it gets longer every year. Um, but I am. I'm, I'm curious to know. You talked about your favorite season. Is fall your favorite season?
0: Yeah, okay. yeah. Fall is absolutely my favorite season. Uh, you know, we. I mean, football. Yep. Obviously, uh, I like like sweatshirt weather. Like I I love wearing sweatshirts, and so you know I do that all through. Like fall, kind of ushers in that. Uh, that season um I just you know bonfires I love the atmosphere of fall and so that's a win. I'm not like you know Derek kind of sounds like the day after he retires he's gonna become a snowbird uh, I don't know what's well, going down to see here's the thing i I can't do about like oh like we're gonna live in you know Florida or Arizona, or Texas for the winter yeah the, my problem with that is like you gotta have that white Christmas I don't know how people down south do that. Uh, maybe, you know what, here's what you need to look into. Uh, so we, I've, I've mentioned before on the podcast that our church is going through a, a pastoral transition, uh, and, and we'll do an episode or maybe a series of episodes on that at some point in the next few months. Uh, but there's, so through one way or another, I, I found out about this church in Michigan who their senior pastor, uh, lives in Florida and flies in, you know, every weekend. And their like executive pastor, whoever's second in command, lives in Nashville and flies in every weekend. And I was I, I heard this and I'm thinking to myself, how in the world do you like how do you justify that to the like the Our church annual board? budget is, is
1: is two million dollars for for staff salaries? <laughs>
0: right, like how do I mean you know it's like they have multiple campuses. It's a pretty large church, yeah. But I don't I don't understand how you can effectively pastor. No, doing that.
1: No, why? Why would you want to? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Like jumping on a plane, I love flying. Like I love getting on a plane, but I think getting on a plane every single weekend sounds terrible.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, it sounds like a lot and and maybe there's more to it than that, but I have a heart I haven't figured out. Did you apply? I did not apply. No, um, <laughs> I, I'm trying to figure out how to justify all of that in my head. Sure. Like, like, what could there possibly be? And and I haven't figured it out yet. So, uh, maybe maybe your church can come up with some package like that for you, where during the winter months you can live in uh, Texas and and just fly back in for the weekend See, to it, to much, preach the services. As
1: much as I hate the snow and the cold, like I'm I am not ready to like get out of here. You know, like I just it's. Yeah, I'm in this weird transition. Like, I like yeah, your greeters this morning keep me here. You know, yeah. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. You're, you're here's no, no, no. I got a plan for you. Kay. Sorry, but I talk I talked to your uh, worship pastor about this on the way in. By the way, I I also have a plan, but I'm curious to know what your is all right. Is so for, my plan for you is for your greeters. No,
0: no, no. This is this. You should go first because mine circled back to <laughs> Florida. <laughs>
1: okay, so your greeters this okay. morning. I uh, I thought about. Either uh, getting a blow dart gun, yep, or a silencer for my Interesting. shotgun. Interesting. And if you're like, "What is this on? like, what is this guy on?" By greeters, Kyle had about forty geese in his front yard of their church this morning. Yeah, they, just grazing, uh,
0: hanging out. They chilled there.
1: Yeah, and it, it sounds like they uh, they drop their feces there on the daily, and so.
0: <laughs> I told, All over a parking lot. I, I told
1: Nate, I was like, "I can fix that for you. I'll <laughs> happily come and fix that for you. Um, I have a four-legged companion and a shotgun that would be able to resolve that problem." So, yeah, I um, like that. Yeah, I mean, you can hunt down south, but i I could not, I could not miss hunting up here. It would kill me. So, well,
0: here's here's the plan where you don't have to miss hunting season. Okay, you go down to. I mean I mean pick a warm weather state. North Carolina. North Carolina. All right. Uh, you go down to North Carolina, you plan a church. Okay? It's the North Carolina campus of the Bridge. <laughs> and you have the Minnesota campus of Perfect. the Bridge. And then you know, you kind of cast the vision like we don't want one to be the satellite campus and the other to be the main campus. Yeah. So like each campus is going to have their own worship and yep. then I'll kind of go back and forth between the two. Uh, you know, I'll preach at one and stream to the other. Like we'll have the ability to go either way with I'm that down for this. And then you can be in Minnesota for the summers. You can, you know, go yeah. down to North Carolina when it's not hurricane season. You can come back up to Minnesota for hunting, go down to North Carolina during the winter. I think we got something figured can out. Can I here. pencil you in as one of our key investors? I would, uh, I, I'm not a hundred percent. I feel like investing in a church isn't really how that works. You just give toward a church, like you know, you don't, and churches aren't really investment opportunities Well, uh, as you kingdom would investment, as you would think of them as they're not financial investment opportunities. That's fair. Interesting. Uh, yeah, we'll, uh, I, I want to see a business plan first.
1: Okay. Well then, you then just we'll gave talk. me one, so then
0: we'll talk. I don't know, man. Uh you're I'm not paying you to I'm not paying you to travel though, so you'll have to figure that one out. I'll drive. Oh, that sounds terrible. Yeah, it
1: does. <laughs> <laughs> sounds more bad enough to fly but from Florida back to Michigan every single week. But can you imagine driving from North Carolina to Minnesota? Like Every single twenty weekend. some hours. Oh my goodness! Yeah, no,
0: I'm not. I'm not a fan of that. All right, so uh, I'm going to dive in today with our with our quick question uh, that'll lead into our our episode today. Uh, Derek, you have heard many times uh, various speakers over the mm-hmm. years, but it's typically speakers at youth conferences. Naturally, I know where this is going. <laughs> I love it. I didn't write this down, and mm-hmm. so I love that you know where this is going. Uh, you'll hear various speakers that that you know when you when you get up to speak in front of a congregation that's not or an audience that's not your own, uh, you got to introduce yourself and uh, your smoking hot wife and your smoking hot wife. Mm-hmm. And, uh, invariably, speakers will introduce their smoking hot wife. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts? <clears
1: <throat> okay. Uh, clears I, I, his throat. I, <laughs> I uh, I have talked to a, a few different people about this from different like life stages, if you will. I've talked to women about it. I've talked to single women about it. I've talked to you know young dudes such as ourselves. I've talked to older dudes, and uh, here's where I land on it. I think the sentiment of uh, of honoring your your spouse and saying, "Hey, like." she's incredible. Or if you're a female, like my husband's amazing. I think, you know, kind of having that sentiment of I want to one introduce, you know, my family to you, but also I think that's such a good opportunity to honor your spouse for how much they do. Because the reality is like, if you're a minister spouse, you bear a lot of the same burdens that your spouse does often without pay or compensation of any sort. Um, And so I think there's a lot of value to honoring them in that way. And so I say all that to say, I think getting up and saying a smoking hot wife, um, I I get the sentiment, but I don't know if it communicates that the best, especially especially, uh, if you're talking to teenagers. Like, hey, everybody, look at how attractive my wife is. Like, Yes, you're at a church conference, <laughs> but like, just take a second. It's okay. You can stumble if you want. Like, just just go ahead and yes. look at how attractive my wife is. Lust at
0: this. <laughs> my goodness,
1: <laughs> I uh, sure do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, some people just don't think about the consequences of their words before they come out of their mouth. Yeah, uh, and I think that speakers that talk about their smoking hot wife. Maybe fall into this category. Maybe. Uh I yeah, I've never I've never understood how like like I'd love listeners, if you are like, no, this is a good idea and here's why. I'd love to hear kind of like rationale defending
1: it. I, I have one. Okay. I do and I don't to be clear, I'm just playing devil's advocate sure. here. I'm not saying I ascribe to this yeah. theory, but I do think that sometimes cr- there's this perception within the Christian world that if we're married and we believe in God, we're mm-hmm. we're this you know little house on the prairie kind of a marriage where it's like very just what's the word I'm looking for?
0: Like I'm not allowed to be attracted to my wife.
1: Right. Yeah. Or like, like it's uh, sex is just for procreation. Like our attraction is like, you know, very, very functional in all these different things rather than like, no, like you can love Jesus and think your spouse is incredibly attractive and have fun with that. So like, I can see that, but that to me, that's really the only thing I can think of where it's like, yeah, this, this is good. And again like I don't think I, I love how you said that cuz I don't think people obviously do it maliciously I just think so sometimes you don't always put two and two together that and eh, maybe this isn't the best arrangement.
0: Yeah, maybe at the at the youth conference with all of the teenagers or the men's conference with all of the men. Yeah. Uh maybe just rethink it. Yeah. Thinking, how come, maybe, like, do we need to start having women speak at men's conferences and men speak at women's conferences just to shake it up a little bit? I mean, that when was the last time you saw a man speaking at a women's conference or a woman speaking at a men's conference?
1: Um, Actually, two years ago. Craig yeah? Rochelle spoke at a women's conference oh, there here in Minnesota, All which right. is pretty cool. That's pretty good. Yeah. But it's not the other way around. And that probably should definitely happen.
0: Yeah, probably. All right. We'll get on that. Uh But anyways... <laughs> Uh, today Derek and I are diving into, uh, being married in ministry and it's a conversation that, that I think is going to be really, really cool because, uh, it brings a different dynamic and, and just by the nature of what we're talking about, we will probably get into being single in ministry as well. Um, were you employed while you were single? No. Okay. Okay. So I'll just talk and Derek has nothing to offer. Uh, but (laughs) it's very accurate. (laughs) But I think that, you know, there's, there's, you know, a lot of benefits that come from being married in ministry. And, and there's also some things that, you know, you kind of have to do differently. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I talked to my wife, uh, and I asked her, uh, how much money I'd have to pay her to get her on an episode of the podcast, uh, to join this conversation, um, she look let me,
1: let me up the national debt quick and see if that gets close <laughs> to the figure she gave you. She
0: she laughed. She made some comments and never actually gave me an answer. <laughs> uh, because it, your because wife just it, loves
1: public speaking. Because it
0: wasn't gonna matter. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, she, we weren't gonna get her on anyway. It's not not her joy. I respect the effort. And so, yeah, it was, uh, I, I didn't even bother reaching out to your wife because I knew I wasn't going to be able to get mine on. Uh, but, but I think that, you know, we will hopefully be able to bring at least some of their perspective, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, having known them for as long as we have, uh, it's to kind of where they're coming from and, and what their views are as far as, as far as ministry.
1: Yeah. I yeah, uh, I do like the fact that you talked about um unsingleness and whether you want to jump into this right now. Um we can, but let's do it. The the thing that I think is very very troubling within within the ministry world is um it's no secret that if you have a married couple, you receive some preferential treatment in terms of hiring. Um you know, and I for sake of anonymity and just kind of keeping things confidential, um, a good friend of mine, uh, he is a 25-year-old male youth pastor. Um, he interviewed at probably, before the church he's at now, probably five or six different ministries. Um, and he he said with at least three or four of those five or six, um, the interview was going incredibly well. Like, like everything was lining up. You could really, you know, when you said that interview, it's kind of like this oh, yeah. is going well. Like they like me, I like them. Like we were really hitting this this off. And then there was that million dollar question. You know, are you dating anybody or are you married? And when the single youth pastor said no, he said it literally. Like the conversation turned on a dime. You know, and like it completely shifted the other direction. And. Some of them never, just never even called him back. Didn't even say, hey, we're going a different direction. They just never called him back. And what breaks my heart about that is like, I get it. Like, I, I mean, if you're looking, if especially if you're in a small town, you know, like you understand that if you have a single pastor, odds are at some point they're going to want to get married. And if you go to a small town and a small church, the pool of prospects, if you will, um, Is relatively small. And so they might be like, I need to go find a wife or a husband. So I'm out of here. And all of a sudden now you're a year and a half down the road and you know farther back. So I I get that part of it too. But I just think like in a lot of ways that can be discrimination, you know, like, Hey, you're a great pastor, a great person. We'd love to hire you. Oh, but wait, you're not married. Uh, we gotta go a different direction. And that can just kind of, like, that's a problem. You know, like that's a really big problem, um, in terms of just disqualifying some incredible pastors purely based on their relationship status.
0: Yeah. I
1: think, uh,
0: another, you know, thought that can be had, and this is going to get into some of the marriage conversation too, but if you're a single youth pastor, uh, you know, the church, some churches, unfortunately view that as I'm hiring one person. Yep, and if you're married, there are churches that view that as I get to hire two for one. Yep, uh, and so you know they will prioritize, or you know, oh, I I automatically am getting you know I can hire this male youth pastor, and his wife and can help also, with You know, his wife can help with worship. His wife can help with uh, you know discipling the female students in ways that he can't, uh, and and you automatically you know put her into into that role versus a single youth pastor you know you you can't do that mm-hmm. now, speaking from experience, I would say that there are a couple advantages to being a single youth pastor uh you know when i so when i started uh i was you know I was a single youth pastor for about a year and a half uh started in August of 2016 got married May of 2018.
1: So you were dating Michaela at the time?
0: I was dating Michaela okay. at the time, yes. Um and so when I uh when I was like before I got married, I had like I mean you have less responsibility when you're not married. And so there were times where it's like, hey, let's you know let's go grab dinner last minute with a student or let's get some students together and we'll go to this park and play some games or uh play Super know, Smash Bros at 10 p.m. Exactly Super Smash Bros at 10 p.m. like hey come on over to my apartment and let's watch the football game tonight. Uh you know some of those things you can do a lot easier uh you know when you're single and and you have no other uh, you know, no other responsibilities like that. And, and you can pour all of your time into youth ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a little bit of a danger in that because it's not sustainable. Uh, you know, when you do get married, then things <laughs> things have to shift a little bit in that department. Uh, but even, I mean, camps and mission teams and conferences and stuff like that uh, are a lot easier to go to when you're single because uh, you can pour all of your time and all of your effort into that. And so, while I think I I think that, you know, I wanna just kinda of mention like there are benefits uh, you know, to being single in in youth ministry. Um, you know, as we will get into, uh, there's also plenty of benefits to being married in youth ministry. But I wanted to just kinda of throw that out there because I think a lot of times in Christian circles, uh you know, Derek and I talked uh I think we talked about this in our Holy Spirit episode where where uh, if you, you know, there are some denominations where if you, if you don't speak in tongues, you're a lesser Christian. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are plenty of churches and, and Christian circles where if you are not married, you are a lesser Christian. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's where... That's where I think it can get dangerous yeah uh, because it's not true and, and Paul talks about that yep um, you know Paul recognized himself like hey like there are there are some benefits to to being single in ministry especially for what he was doing uh, traveling you know for months and months and months on end yeah uh, but I think that there's just a lot of value to that um, and, and I don't want people to think like well you know being married in ministry is the only way to do ministry.
1: Yeah. Well, and I'm going to even look at the camera for this one because someone out there needs to hear this message right now. If you are single and you don't have a spouse to get home to, your time is no less valuable than someone like yours and mine. Like, Ooh, like, like good. I have heard that so often like, well, I'm just going to hang out at church because I have no to get home to, or I can work late because I don't need to be home. And it's like, Yes, you do, because you are a person before you're a spouse, like you are a child of God before you are a husband or a wife. So as such, your time is just as valuable just because you don't have to get home doesn't mean you don't have to get home to do the things that you enjoy doing, the things that fill your soul, the things that make you who you are.
0: Yeah, there's, there's you know, the practical application of that is, you know, on a Wednesday night, uh, you know, you got like in our building, like we got kids stuff going on, we got adult classes going on, and everything, you know, everything wraps up at about the same time, but you yeah. got lingering conversations, everything. And, you know, you got hypothetical, you know, senior pastor that's like, hey, youth guy, like, I want you to be the last one to lock up every Wednesday night because you're single and have no one to go home to. That sounds so depressing. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, like taking you, you should not be taken advantage of, I think is what you're saying in that way, just because you are, you are single. That's ridiculous.
1: And you have to advocate for yourself on that too, because even if the senior pastor doesn't ask you to do that, you might just assume that like, yeah. I can pick up the extra slack because I don't have to get home. Like I don't have to pick up my kids at five o'clock from daycare. Like I can just, I can stay in late and all of a sudden it's six, six 30, seven, seven eight. And it's like, oh, I should probably get home. And it's like, you should have been home hours ago. You know? And like, I, I've had the conversation too with, uh, with other single people. And cause I've had this conversation before and they said, Sometimes it's just it is sad just to go home and sit by yourself and I get that too but it's always one of those things where it's like then then let's do something outside of ministry. My worry is if you are single in ministry, your ministry can become your identity because it's where you spend all of your time and there's no separation between where you end and your ministry ends. You know, like you are not your identity is not tied up in what you do as much as ministry is a lifestyle it is not meant to be your identity. It's not Mm. meant to be the thing that you are. Like it's what you do, you know? And so I just feel like it's a lot easier for you and I to be held accountable to go home and to disengage from ministry because why? Well, you got to be there for your wife. You got to be there for your kids. Like that's important. And it is, but I would dare say like, and you alluded to this, if you desire to be married one day, you got to start those patterns now. Because it's gonna be a screeching halt when that happens. And even if it never happens, you still need to disengage from ministry. Yeah. You still need to go and be with your friends. You need to be with your extended family. You need to be pouring into just friends of yours. Like, you need to step outside of the church and be a person just as much as any married person. So that's always just kind of my soapbox. Like, just even if your senior pastor or the person above you isn't asking you to do things, you also don't just fall on the sword and just spend all your time at the church.
0: Yeah, you got to have some, you got to find some sort of hobby, uh, you know that you can that you can spend time doing. Yeah. Uh, you know, friend groups. Uh, now, I will also say this, and and Derek, you could probably attest to this as well. Uh, I am twenty nine years old. Nope, I can't. I'm twenty eight. Well. <laughs> I'm sorry, continue. Bummer, lost him already. I am 29 years old and I have spent the last seven years on staff being essentially the only person at my church in my age demographic. Uh, like that's I pretty much the only one. We're a yep. church that, you know, it's currently running like 500 people or something. I don't even know. Roughly 500 on a Sunday morning and... You know, my wife and I for years have been the only ones in our age demographic. Part of that is just because churches don't have young adults. And, yeah. you know, we got this job out of college and and that's just where we're at. Um, but finding, you know, no matter what age you actually are, finding some friends that, that you could spend time with, uh, you know, getting involved in one of your churches connect groups or finding other youth pastors in your area that you can meet with on a regular basis, uh, whether they are single or married, like that is a group that you can belong to. And yeah. so, uh, find, you know, be proactive about, you know, finding some of those things. Don't just sit on your butt and wait for those to come. to Yeah. You. I like that. Um, yeah. So that's, I, you know, all of that to say, uh, in my personal experience is that I became a much better youth pastor after I got married. No question. Um, Because I have a lot of stupid ideas. <laughs> and when I tell my wife those stupid ideas, she's like, hey, that's you shouldn't do that. Yeah. And here's why. Yep. Oh, yeah, that's a good call. Uh, and so I, I think that there's a lot of advantages from a professional standpoint yep. to being married. Yep. Uh and one of them is literally like you have somebody to run stuff by. You've got an added level of counsel that that you can go to somebody and say, "Hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing. What are your thoughts?" And and have some dialogue and and really even if it's just you know, when I like I I'm, you know, making a big change and I and here's why having somebody you can talk it out with so that when you go to present it to your senior pastor, you've already fleshed out some of the questions that, that maybe your spouse thought about. Yeah. Uh so that it's a it's a better presentation to them or, or something like that.
1: And they're gonna be honest with you. And that's what that's mm-hmm. what I love too. It's like you can do the same thing with youth leaders or other people in the church, but depending on the relationship you have with them, they might not be as comfortable being blunt with you. They might feel this like Uh, I don't know if that's a good idea. I mean, I could maybe see it, but your wife or your husband might be like, that's dumb. Like, don't do that. Like, that's a terrible idea. You know, I feel like they can just shoot straight with you. And uh, they also know your heart and they know like what you're trying to get at because odds are you're probably sharing those passions, those desires, those inklings with them. And so when you do that, they might be able to help you pivot to something else. Like, hey, that's not a great idea, but... It's close. What if you tried this? And you're like, oh man, like I never even thought about that. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so that's really good. as As you said that too. Something else that I've noticed, you know, being married is, uh, depending on what the role of your spouse looks like, you know. And I'm trying to be very careful about saying spouse here because I know there might uh, might be some female youth pastors out there who have husbands, and and so I, and this, this same logic applies, you know. But I think that depending on what the role of your spouse is. On a Wednesday night, or whenever you have youth, odds are you're up front. You know you're you're leading the charge. You're running the stuff. You're you know you're you're out presenting yourself. Essentially, I've seen a lot of spouses that are kind of more overseeing, observing from the back or from the middle, or but they're just kind of seeing the big picture, and so they're going to catch things and see things amongst students, amongst leaders, little nuances of like, I don't know if that student's doing very good. You should check in with them. They see those things that you can't because you're under the lights and you're you're overseeing a big group of people. And so there's been all kinds of times when it's been like, my wife is like, hey, like, I think that student could use a check-in. I think, you know, that leader is feeling really burnt out. Like I would just check in with them, see how they're doing. There's been many of those moments where it's like, I completely miss something And she was right on the money. And when reaching out to them, it was kind of like, oh yeah, like this is exactly where I'm at, and this is like what I could use. And and it's been a game changer, you know. And like that's that's invaluable in terms of like it it is a youth leader of youth leaders, if you will, that just kind of sees the the whole picture and can kind of help pinpoint some different things.
0: Yeah, and I think that uh, you know that leads into a good conversation that you and your spouse need to have. And then subsequently, you know, with the church as well. Uh, and I kind of alluded to it earlier, figuring out, okay, what is my wife's or, or my husband's role, uh, you know, when it comes to ministry, Yeah, because you will get some senior pastors that and, and churches that are like, Hey, if I'm hiring you, I'm hiring both you and your spouse. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is, this is a dual thing. You're in this together. I expect you to run the youth ministry together. Um, or, you know, your, like your wife should also have some. like she should be on the worship team or she should be, uh, helping out with, you know, kids or with admin stuff or you know, leading women's ministry or whatever it is. Uh, and and I think that teaching, teaching one of our connect groups, uh, there, there's not necessarily, I would say a right or a wrong way to do it, Mm -hmm. but all three people need to be on the same page Yeah, between the senior pastor, the youth pastor and the spouse.
1: Yeah. And I think that if you're ever interviewing at a church, I think that's a question you ask in your interview is what, what's the role of my spouse look like? Because for Kyle and I, like, you know, we both had wives that were in the workplace, you know, they worked outside of the church. And so when you think about that, you're, you're saying, Hey, you work your 40, I work my 40, but I also need you to work a little bit extra to help me with my 40, you know, or whatever it is. Like, Mm -hmm. and we both know ministry is not 40 and uh, it's not consistent, but it is one of those tough things where it's like, you know, my wife would go to work from, eight to four 30. And then what's the first thing she does is she's in the car heading when I was a youth pastor to be there for youth. You yeah. know, I could go in at noon. I could go in at 11. I could, you know, sleep in and take my time. She couldn't, she was at her job. So, you know, she was going from eight to eight 30, you know, 12 and a half hours on Wednesdays, just, mm-hmm. just with that. And, you know, she loved that and that was good. And that wasn't necessarily the expectation that was put upon us, but if it is for your lead pastor and all of a sudden now they're saying, why isn't your wife being involved? That, that can put you in a weird spot, especially early on. So I think you, you have to, if you're interviewing, you have to ask in your interview, what does that role look like? Because it's going to create a slew of problems if you don't.
0: And you got to talk, you know, as a married couple ahead of time as well. Right. To feel like, you know, with, with my wife and I, like she, is not the type to like, Hey, I'm going to jump in and, and lead a you know group of junior high girls. Uh, you know, I'm going to lead their connect group. Like that's not where she's gifted. And so you even, even just within the marriage have, if I have that expectation of her, uh, that's not going to work. You know, there's, there's a ton of behind the scenes stuff that she does help me with and, and vet, vetting bad ideas. And, uh, you know, she's a wizard at like all of the Adobe products. And mm-hmm. so Photoshop and, and coming up with logos and designs and different things. Uh, you know, she helps me with all of that. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've got a couple of events that I call her my events, uh, my environments coordinator. That's what I call her. Uh, you know, she's, she's, you know, putting together different things for those events. And, uh, she is a value to our youth ministry in that role. I also don't expect, you know, things like we continue that dialogue on a regular basis. We'll check in like, Hey, we have this event coming up. Are you, you know, do you want to you know do the same thing you did last year with it? Do you want to coordinate this? What help do you need? What do you need from me? Like being on the same page on all of those things and and connecting on a regular basis about it, I think is also really important because uh yeah I I officiated the wedding of a couple former youth students uh, a couple weeks ago and and I was talking about communication and I essentially summed it up with you know, you guys have to be honest and communicate often because your relationship is way too important not to. Yep. Uh, and so for your marriage relationship, when you are in ministry, there's a lot of moving pieces all of the time. So you need to make sure that you are communicating on a regular basis uh, and, and being honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is going to go, you know, we're going to speak to the spouses for a second. Since Derek looked at the camera earlier, now I will. Spouses be honest with the youth pastor you're married to. And and if you are burnt out, tell them if you need more time with them, tell them if you need to step out of your volunteer role for a season, tell them and do it <laughs> and actually do it. And youth pastors, listen, be supportive, be in on it because too many times, you know, ministry couples get burnt out Because they were not honest with each other. Yep.
1: And they suffered in silence for a long time. And that's, to me, that was, that was something I learned early on in that same vein is it's going to be really tempting for you to put your spouse in the role you need most, but that doesn't mean that's the role they want to be in. Yeah. Like, Hey, I really need someone to drive this group down to, to youth convention. Can you do that? Like, no, like that sounds like I I literally like can't do that. Or, you know, like I'm, I'm really struggling trying to find a youth leader for this particular event. Like, would you be willing to step in? You know, it, it's tempting to want to ask them for your deepest and sincerest need, but if that's not where they thrive, then like, it's not necessarily fair to ask them of that. And, and something that Meg and I talked about that was really, really helpful, um, and I we talked about it because I did it wrong. Just to be clear, uh, you know, and that that's the thing too. As an encouragement, like youth pastor, you're going to get it wrong. Like you are going to, for lack of a better word, use and abuse your spouse, and they're going to push you on it. And that's good. It's your job to not get defensive. It's your job to listen and to genuinely hear what they're saying and respond accordingly. Because the thing that I learned the hard way is you need to treat your spouse as you would any other youth leader. Like think, at least for me personally, if I had a youth leader who was saying like, I'm just really feeling burnt out. Like I just really need a break. I'd be like, no problem. Like take a step back, take your time. Like, let me, let me just, you know, flip you a gift card, take your spouse on a date, whatever it is. Like we just want, we just want you to know we're blessing you. Like I'm giving you the weekend off. I'm giving you the month off. Like just go. Go but it's a lot harder to deal with your spouse, mm-hmm. especially if you need them for something. And so, you know, like it, it's one of those things where it's like, there were, just, there were just some unwritten expectations I had for my wife that I didn't have for any other youth leader. And that's not fair to her. Yeah. Like that, that is not fair. Yes, we are married. Yes, we're, we're co-leaders, but there's a lot of things in which you need to treat them as you would any other youth leader.
0: Yeah. And you talked about, you know, sometimes your spouse is the one that you go to with kind of your biggest needs. Mm-hmm. I also think that sometimes the spouse is the one that's, that the youth pastor always goes to with their most immediate needs. Oh, that's good. Uh, you know, when, when it's it's urgent, it's like, uh, I know it's just one more thing, but I really, really need this. Mm-hmm. And the next week you have another urgent thing that pops up and I, I know it's one more thing, but I know it's one more. I know it's one more, but, and, and it's always, there's always going to be something urgent that you could dump off on your spouse, but you got to be really, really careful not to do that. I love what you're saying. Like, you know, treat them like a youth leader, you know, separate those relationships out a little bit. Like yeah. you're a youth leader and I'm going to treat you like a youth leader, um, you know, if you got, here's, here's an idea that is literally popping into my mind as I am saying it. Can't wait. Like I have a budget, uh, you know, or a, or a line item in my youth budget to like take some of my youth leaders out to lunch. Mm-hmm. Take your wife out to lunch. Yeah, 100%. Take your husband out to lunch. Uh, you know, if, if you've got that a like if you're like, yeah, I, you know, I've heard of some youth ministries, like, you know, every month I'll pick, you know, one or two or three youth leaders and I'll just write them a thank you note, put a coffee gift card in there and mail it to them. Yep. Put your wife on uh-huh. that list, you yep. know, like, like put your spouse on that list and, and, you know, appreciate them the same way that you appreciate uh, your other volunteers as well. i I think screwed that's, that that's one up good.
1: way too many times. It's like, I, I'm writing thank you cards to all my youth leaders and I send them out and my wife's like, hello. <laughs> it's like, oh, gosh. You know, and, and I, I had another good idea before I said that and I just completely spaced it. So that's not super fun. It must not have been a very good idea then. It was a good one though. I mean, I I, I did mm. feel good about it. But <clears throat> just uh, to me, I think that as as a minister um and and as a minister spouse you kind of understand that you are a team in in obviously in every sense of the word uh you know but it's also i was thinking it's so invaluable to understand like where what are some unwritten things that like what are the benefits of that right like there's all these different things that we can do to take care of ourselves and protect ourselves but i think it's also so important to understand like what you guys being a tandem benefits you and your students. And one of the biggest things that, that we noticed with my wife and I was, um, at the time that we were youth pastors, we, we kind of like, we had 40 to 50 students that were in our youth ministry. And, you know, we kind of, when it's that size, you have a pretty good idea of what makes each of those students tick. You have a pretty good idea of what their home life looks like. And of those 40 or 50 students, we, we deducted about seven of those students have what you could consider a normal nuclear family. Mom and dad are together, happily married, like no real major issues. Seven out of the mm-hmm. 40 or 50, you know, every they're, they're probably all siblings.
0: Four of them were <laughs> four of them were the pastor's kids, you know? And so like, well, it's probably a win that those kids were on that list, though. which is huge. Yeah. I yeah, that, that. That's, that's, that's massive.
1: Good. But every other student either had a mom or dad that wasn't involved mom or dad that was abusive mom or dad that were dead or not involved to any capacity. Uh, and so we don't have to stretch too far to understand how that's a problem. Like the, the, the scientific data backs up that when there's not a loving father or mother in the home, it just psychologically jacks you up. It just does, you know? And so we realized Just how we interacted and how we loved each other and how that was on display, not that it was a performance, but just how we just let our relationship shine through, that in itself was a light to our students. That was a a message that was being communicated every single Wednesday subliminally. You know, that was not, we didn't get up on stage and say, look at our marriage, look what what we're doing. But the way I talked to Meg, the way that she talked to me, the way that I honored her, you know, from stage or whether it's even on things like an Instagram post or whatever it is, they see that and Mm -hmm. they see that, oh, that's what a healthy relationship looks like. I want that, you know? And all of a sudden now, your marriage is now light, you know, to, to some of these students. And, you know, I just think that, everyone talks about the functionality of, of marriage and ministry, but I just think what a good, healthy, godly marriage communicates is a message that is invaluable to your students.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, acting like a married couple around youth students is really, really good. Uh, you know, I, I'll kiss my wife, uh, in our youth room, you know, Mm -hmm. after a Wednesday night or, or whatever. Um, I remember, uh, there was a mission team that we did and, and I had a husband and wife coming both as youth leaders. And they asked me like, Hey, like how, what, what do you want this to look like? Uh, you know, do you care at all? Uh, and, and I basically instructed them like, I mean, be married, like mm-hmm. hold hands when you're walking together. If that's something you normally do, uh, you know, give students, like you're saying, give students a healthy view of, of what marriage can and should be. Yeah. Uh, you know, that in and of itself is a way for you and your spouse to serve your youth students. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a leadership role that you and your spouse can have. Yeah. Uh, just, just being an example, uh, for all of those students that, you know, they don't, they don't get that. They Mm -hmm. don't, they don't get that picture even, you know, probably from extended family as well. Uh, you know, typically, you know, more often than not, there's not just one dysfunctional marriage, uh, or dysfunctional family unit, uh, in a family tree. Uh, usually it's more than one. And so, uh, giving them that picture, uh, you know, and and this goes for youth leaders as well. Uh, giving them that healthy picture, I think is really, really, that's really good.
1: And I, I'm a big believer in just, I love when you were saying that, it just, it's authentic and that that's really what you're saying is just be who you are. If you don't normally hold hands, don't feel like you have to manufacture holding hands. Yeah. But I think that there's also a lot of value in n- just being authentic as a, as a ministry, as a married couple, you know, like it's, it's one of those things where, you know, there were a few times over the last few years where it's like, you know, Meg and I have a disagreement an hour before a student show up at our house for some mentorship and mm. discipleship. And it's like, you you have the tendency to be like, okay, put on the face, pretend everything's good. You know, and, and, and not that, not that that's inherently bad. There's sometimes there's, there's merit to that where you just need to kind of set that aside and just minister for a second. However, there were also moments in which in that very same mentorship, discipleship we were talking about, can't remember what it was, but there was value to saying, before you guys got here, Meg and I like had a disagreement, and they see that, okay, healthy marriage is not the absence of conflict. Healthy Mm -hmm. marriage is not just everything's great all the time. Healthy marriage is learning how to walk through that. And so that even that can be an example, um, you know, to your students. And so, um, you know, I think that it's important to be authentic and, uh, I remembered the thing I was going to say before, and it kind of ties in here. Um, I'm glad I remembered it now and not as soon as we finished up. Something that has been a game changer for us, this is not a universal thing I'm saying you have to do, but for Meg and I, um, who are both passionate about ministry, there's a lot of times we're just at home and we're dialoguing about church and about ministry and that's fine. But there are other times we realized like, we never stop talking about ministry. Like we're on a date and we're talking about ministry stuff. And like, that's like a problem. You know, like it, it goes back to what I said about single people, your ministry might be a lifestyle, but it's not meant to be your life. It's meant to be something you do. And so something that we have started doing that's been really, really good is if there is like my currently like, Meg my wife is kind of our our worship leader. Like she's on a team, but she oversees the team. And so like she's highly involved in that. She's in a women's study. She's helping me with different things. Like she is very ingrained in what we're doing. And so as such there's a lot for us to discuss and to be on the same page about communication-wise. But there's a certain time and a place to talk about that. So, you know, we actually started scheduling meetings between her and I to discuss church stuff. Not that it has to be in church, but it's like, Hey, we're going to chat about this before dinner because then after dinner, we're done. Like mm-hmm. we're just, we're done talking about ministry for the night, you know, to have that clean break of, okay, like we'll table the rest of this. And and that way you are communicating and getting the essential c- c- stuff that needs to be talked about done, mm-hmm. but you also have a clean separation because, Going back to the youth leader thing, that you would do the same thing. Odds are you're not texting a youth leader back and forth for an hour, back and forth at mm-hmm. 8 o'clock at night because you're with your family, you know, in the same way your spouse is a youth leader or is a leader. So schedule those meetings, get the information communicated, and then have that be done.
0: Yeah. And then just being on the same page with your spouse on a lot of those things. Uh it's going to look different for everybody, but as long as you guys are on the same page, uh you know, that's that's where I think we're saying kind of the key is, you know, my wife and I have had plenty of, you know, church conversations over the last few months with the transition that we're going through and in uh, and the nature of it, there's there's lots to process, there's lots to talk about, there's lots to you know, think about. And so we've, we've had a lot of those and, and there have been times where it's just like, Hey, let's just be done talking about this mm-hmm. and, and talk about something else. Let's talk about literally anything. doesn't yeah. even matter. Uh, and, and so I think that that is healthy. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's something that needs to happen. Um, and then, you know, you Again, be honest about it and, and recalibrate every once in a while because mm-hmm. it's going to change. Uh, you know, you'll have seasons where uh, you feel like you could talk about church forever, and and it's great because things are going well, and and you want to share wins and and whatever it is. And you'll have other seasons where it's frustrating and it's it's a drain on your relationship to have yeah. some of those conversations. And you know that you need them, so you could schedule them or do whatever. Set a time, set a timer, and when the timer goes off, we're done talking about it. Yeah, uh, you know whatever that looks like, but. Yeah, I think a lot of this episode is just comes down to you know be open in your communication and, and
1: honest and draw lines where you need to. It's the leading cause of divorce. That's what I always lead with in premarital counseling is breakdown in communication is the leading cause of divorce. Mm. You Because know, obviously there's a lot that goes into that. But in ministry, you have to. It's not a matter of should I, it's do you. Because if you don't communicate, it is going to self-destruct not just your marriage, but your whole ministry. And kind of like the, the thing that my wife and I have just discussed is we want our marriage to be a ministry in itself. And that goes both ways. We want it to be a ministry to our students in the sense of, or now as the adults is like, not that we have it all figured out, but we want to be life and a, and, and, and a light in, in our, in our context of so this is what a healthy marriage looks like. But in the same token, like your marriage is a ministry for you. Like youth pastors, how much time have you poured into casting a vision, dreaming about your your ministry, where you're going, putting core values in place, uh, taking that to the Lord and, and, and creating things so your ministry thrives. Mm-hmm. But when's the last time you did that for your marriage? When's the last time you sat down and just did an honest reflection of where's my marriage at and where do I want to go? how can I bless my spouse? What's the vision for my marriage? Like, I would dare say that's more important. You know, like you have to do that. Like the scripture says, like, you know, when, when you get married, leave your father and mother, you leave and cleave and you are now one flesh with your spouse. Mm-hmm. What that tells me is your marriage is vital in the eyes of the Lord. You know, as crazy and backwards as it sounds, if you, neglect your marriage for the sake of your ministry, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Not just in the eyes of your spouse, but in the eyes of God. Like he is calling you to be a spouse before being a pastor. And that's not to say you can just neglect your ministry for your marriage, but I am saying like, we all say that like, yeah, marriage comes first, but is that what you're communicating? Mm -hmm. Is that what your actions are saying? Because you might know that in your head, but you're not communicating that with your life. Mm -hmm. And that's where you need to, say, hey, I am going to prioritize and put things in place so that my marriage is my first ministry before my church ministry.
0: Yeah. That's good. I got nothing else. Let's do it. Sweet. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us today on another episode I don't even know what this is 84 80 something
1: it's it's uh, it's up there something we're closing on the on the, on the century which is kind of crazy
0: do we just like does that have to be our last episode because it can't get better than that like <laughs> we close it at an even hundred with no preparation just uh, like
1: well guys appreciate you following us along episode but-
0: 100 is like five minutes long <laughs> and that's it <laughs> Uh, we'll get there. Now nah, we got you know seventeen episodes, sixteen episodes left to uh, perfect our craft yeah. uh, before we get there. So, we, thank you guys for hanging out with us. Uh, on behalf of Derek, uh, I should probably uh, go spend some time with my wife. Goodbye. Goodbye.